your own beer it's time for just brew it brought to you by niagara tradition homebrew here's your host jeremy white and bert deister good saturday morning welcome to niagara traditions just brew it here on espn 1520 jeremy white and bert deister we're not talking about a bills game this week last week it was good luck bills this week it's draft talk so now still good luck yeah now you can uh, brew beers for the draft and all that you can name some beers after the prospects and have good fun with it, and then uh, enter them into competitions, which is what we're going to get to today for the yep. show. How to brew for a competition. Last week was ice distillation, if you want to learn about that. Um, every episode is always available on demand at ESPN 1520 and the WGR website as well. So uh, the Taste of home brew, taste of Buffalo Homebrew Competition deadline is fast approaching. Yes, it's one week from today, so the 20th of January. So if you uh, haven't already, go take a look online, look at the categories. If you have some beers, you know, that fit those categories, bring them in and enter them. I know I'm going to be looking uh, kind of in the basement to see anything that might be in the right date range to enter myself. A lot of styles. A lot, a lot of light of, styles. Yeah, a lot of light body styles. I mean, again, you think about it, this is going to be a summer food event. Yeah, summer comp, you know, summer serving for the beer. Um, so they're looking for something that's going to go well with a lot of different food, um, but also, you know, be able to be sold in a standard pint glass. Too. Yeah, right. All right, so the deadline for that is a week from uh, a week from today, you said, mm-hmm. right? So get your entries in. I mean, to be a Taste of Buffalo homebrew winner would be a pretty big honor for just about anybody. I mean, it's just a, such a big event. Uh, the 12th annual Art of, Art of Beer is on the way, too. That's going to be March 9th. Uh, this is a different event. Every year when we talk about this, you talk about how this one is much different than the others. Well, it, the one thing that I always say is when you have an event that's for a nonprofit, um, a lot more people are putting in time and effort for free. Um, and so you kind of end up with a bit more, I think, at the event usually and, and a little bit different of a feel because of that. Because, again, you know, I'm putting in a lot of time for free. A lot of their staff are. Some of these vendors are as well as, you know, chipping in a bit of money to help out to the event. Um, so that makes it, I think, a little bit kind of set of rest. It, it is in its 12th years, one of the oldest, you know, beer tasting events. I think it's besides the, you know, Buffalo Brew Fest, the oldest beer tasting event in Western New York. Um, and so we're in our 12th year. And as you keep going <clears throat> and as you keep having successful events, you get little bits better and better each year. Vendors seem to bring a little bit more each year. Um, so we have over 20 vendors, over 75 different menu options. I'm not even talking about beers yet. Mm. We just have about every local brewing company as well as a lot from around New York State coming. Uh, and they're always going to bring some interesting beers to the event. Tickets so, are $35 presale. $35 presale. But remember, that includes your beer and your food. It's Which not is, like we're, right. you know, forcing drinks on you than trying to get some money out of your pocket for food. We're just getting that money out of your pocket right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Eat the food. It's all you can eat. Um, yeah. And that usually makes the drinking a little bit better. And it goes to support? The Niagara Arts and Cultural Center, which is a center that not only supports um, you know local area artists, uh, but also programs for kids and after school programs. So Pretty they cool. do a lot of great work there. The very busy building and becoming busier and busier every year. I like when the uh, the price is just like upfront. It's always a nice thing to. I can budget how much I'm spending on food and drink today because I'm buying one ticket. So yes, that's always cool. All right, so that's the 12th annual Art of Beer, uh, March 9th, coming up. 
Amber Waves of Grain, the AWOG homebrew competition, which is the, the granddaddy, the big this one. This is the big one, especially in western New York, if not across the entire state. There's a lot of entries. Um, so are that, we in AWOG season now? Do, when, we are starting to. We when are starting do you think, when, when does it start to like pop into your mind like it's AWOG season? Oh, God. I mean, the deadline is coming up March 31st. The competition is, is April. Well, maybe but, because we're doing this show on, it might be a, a good that we're doing on brewing for competition, yeah. then I might be thinking myself of, oh, no, I need to start brewing for competition. Um, usually around the, the first of the year. You get through the holidays. Um, you have some extra time on your hands. We're kind of getting into the cabin, you know, fever weather here again. So it's a good time to kind of get to some hobbies. And it's like while you're doing it, you might as well think about what the next competition is coming or anything like that and how you can kind of plan ahead. So as I start to make beers now, I'm starting to think ahead till competition entry deadlines. So what will I brew today that will be good come March 31st, which is the entry deadline for Amber Waves of Grain. What can I brew now that will really be in the prime at that date? And so that's kind of where I think the mentality of somebody who enters competitions, your brewing begins to shift. You're not thinking about brewing beer necessarily for yourself, although you're going to drink, you know, 52 out of the 54 bottles of it. You're thinking about making them <clears throat> for the judges, mm -hmm. trying to fit these classic styles and really trying to tweak your home brewing to try to get every little bit of consistency out of your system that you can okay so a wog season how to brew for a competition all comes together full circle and we are landing on this show you got it so uh where do you begin if you're if you're gonna enter one of these competitions i, I would think the first thing you've got to do is is plan ahead is can I get your timeline down? Yeah yeah and, and that i think what i'm talking about where i'm going now is you know what is going to be ready and really great in about two and a half months? Mm -hmm. You know, so I'm still strong styles are still available. You could still get a barley wine, Russian Imperial Stout, although it would be better if they sat for six months. You could still get one out there. Um, a lot of stronger Belgian styles still open. Um, if you're thinking about doing maybe a pale ale, English bitter, German Hefeweizen, I mean, think about it. Those are beers that serve better at maybe anywhere from three to five weeks. You want to wait. You know, if you brew it now and it sits in your basement, it's going to lose a lot of those kind of fresh, volatile flavors. So the esters and the wheat beer, the the hop aroma and the pale ale, um, and the, those also those kind of you know subtle um, like the diacetyl and stuff in that English bitter might slowly start to die back over time, and it's not going to be as predictable as the flavors you're going to get if you're entering an old beer. So when you're looking at brewing for a competition, I think that's the first thing you need to ask yourself is, do I have the right amount of time or do I have too much time to brew the style that I want to? And you might want to sit down, and we've always talked about doing this uh, at the store and kind of make maybe a spreadsheet or calendar that where you could plug in a competition date and kind of get the best ranges for making all the different beers going up to the competition. That way, if you were looking at a weekend, you know, two weeks in advance, oh, I get to brew this Sunday. Okay, what do I want to have ready when it comes time for competition? Right. Um, so you could, instead of deciding on the style, you could almost let the timeline decide yeah, the style. And it will still give you a long, you know, any, yeah. t any timeline is like, you know, we're talking about the German Hefeweizen, English Bitter Pale Ale. Those are all beers you can bang out and two weeks. You know what I mean? And, and if you have, you know, if it, it, competition's just passed and you're regretting that you didn't plan ahead, 
brew a couple strong beers. Brew a Belgian quad, a triple. Uh, again, the Russian Imperial Stout, barley wine, Scottish, you know, like, you know, strong ale or something like that, that you can sit around and will really, you know, come into its own a year from now. So if, if you've just missed the competition, you know, deadline, and you're thinking about, oh, what can I brew to have around for next year so I at least have something to enter into the competition, start brewing that big strong beer now. But yeah, looking looking ahead, timing the beer with the competition is by far the hardest part of this whole competition, I think, entry process. Being a hobby, we don't always get to set aside the time we want to brew and throw in that X factor of somebody else's competition deadline date, and you're really going to be kind of struggling to find the time. Because not only do you have to brew it, you got to rack it, you got to bottle it. You know what I mean? This is especially, I think, the problematic for a lot of competition brewers who are often kegging um, because finding that time to bottle. I know I did last night. It was chaotic. I always feel like the Chocolate Factory episode from uh, I Love Lucy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When I'm down in the basement by myself, there's beer bottles getting knocked over. I'm trying to go from the sink to the drying rack to the bottle filler. Um and I'm moving all around. It gets a little chaotic. It's not something I'm used to as somebody who does only really draft beer. Mm-hmm. Rack it into one keg. I watch it rack over for 10 minutes, and I'm done. So finding that time to get all those ducks in the line can be trouble. So go take a look at the calendar. If you're going to plan, you want to brew a particular style, give yourself two weekends to brew, a weekend to bottle, and look at the calendar ahead of time so you're timing it right. Um, otherwise, if you get a surprise brew day, you're going to want to look at that same calendar and say, okay, you know, I got four weeks. You know, what do I have a chance to brew? I can still brew an IPA. Um, I can still brew a stout. I can still brew a porter. You know what I mean? You know, six weeks away, again, maybe you want to hold off on that IPA so it's nice and fresh when you enter it. Mm-hmm. So time. Time is going to be the hardest part of all this. Um, you know, big, more importantly, getting the recipe, you know, Finding the time to actually brew the beer when you need to brew it is by far the hardest part of entering a beer in competition. All right. Now, when brewing a beer for a competition, let's say you've decided your style, do we, do you have any, um, I don't know, tips or any any rules that you kind of live by on on what you're going to do? Uh, just standards to follow, whether the uh, rules, whether they're guidelines, like never blank. Always remember to blank. Yeah, one thing I can tell you is that if, if I look at my my uh, recipe book, um, I could break down the beers into uh, two categories, beers that are for myself and beers that are for competition. I could really set aside two recipe books. Um, you know, I don't know what your necessarily, you know, brewing process is as far as creating a recipe. I think everybody's is a little bit different, but mine is always kind of like a kid at a candy store picking out like uh, – you know, bulk gummy candy, I just start taking all my favorite malts, throw them in the mash tun. You know what I mean? I kind of look at the IBUs I need for a style, amount of finishing hops, all my favorite hops into the kettle. Um, And so I'm really making a beer that's kind of tailor-made to myself. Um, When you're brewing a beer for competition, if I say there's any kind of trick, you're brewing the beer for the judge. Um, And the judge is not drinking based on his own preferences. He's not going to pick his favorite. He's going to pick which one matches classic style the best. Um, And so when I brew for competition, I'm really brewing to classic style, if not trying to do kind of my own take on a clone of one of the classic styles listed. Um, I'm trying to at least hit all those marks, you know what I mean, with regional ingredients to make a beer that, again, is, is not necessarily anyone's favorite 
but you know it hits all the check marks that you need to really fit into that classic style. And so if anything, I would say to people, you might have a favorite house ale and you call it like a pub ale because you don't know whether to call it a pale ale, an amber, or a bitter, or an IPA. That beer is, you know, which is the beer if I come over to your house that I want to have. You know what I mean? I want to see what your nightly drinker is and yep. what your favorite recipe of, again, that your kid in the candy score, store kind of beer. Um, that's what I want to try when I come over. However, when you're entering competition, we're judging your ability as a brewer and we kind of have to have a benchmark to judge that ability as a brewer and so brewing to a classic style kind of evens the playing field a little bit um and so again recipes for competition are going to be almost completely separate than the recipes that you brew yourself all right let's get a break and we'll come back and continue on uh, how to brew for a competition you're not brewing for friends you're brewing to guidelines the ingredients all that stuff matters We'll continue with this when we return. It's Niagara Traditions, Just Brew It, here on ESPN 1520. Jeremy White here for Niagara Tradition Home Brewing Supplies. You're listening to Just Brew It, which means either you homebrew or you're thinking about it. Wherever you are in the process, Niagara Tradition Homebrew is your source for everything homebrewing. Do what I did. Get a starter kit, and you'll be well on your way. Niagara Tradition will be there to answer your questions, give you advice, and as I try to become a more seasoned brewer, I know I can count on Niagara Tradition to be there with the supplies and the advice I need. Niagara Tradition Homebrewing Supply. 1296 Sheridan Drive, near Military, in Tonawanda. Open Monday through Friday, 11 to 7, Saturdays, 10 to 4, and 24-7 at nthomebrew.com. Niagara Tradition Homebrew. Pay them a visit, and remember to just brew it. Back here on Niagara Tradition's Just Brew It on ESPN 1520, getting you ready for homebrew competition season. We mentioned the uh, Taste of Buffalo homebrew competition. The entry deadline for that is next Saturday. The Art of Beer, that's a not necessarily one you're going to brew beers for. You're going to go and eat and drink and be merry. Uh, but the Amber Waves of Grain homebrew competition deadline is March 31st. Competition is uh, mid-April. So uh, brewing beers for competition, you went over, Bert, just there, how you're not beer, you're not brewing for your friends. You're, you're you're trying to impress judges here. You want to yeah. you want to put something together that's going to be you know holding up to a guideline and, and fitting in fitting in the box because they're trying to judge based on yeah. the JCP guidelines. And, and and the wonderful thing is, is there's no secret to what you're trying to make when you come to this because those guidelines are out there. You can go to bjcp.org. You can just you know look at the most current guidelines, and you're really going to get a great resource if not the best resource by far out there um, for kind of winning competitions inside the BJCP. Um, it is the rubric for grading uh, when we're looking at the beer. So it's um, very important. I mean, a judge will re really just kind of look at the style guidelines for that beer and they'll start going down and really kind of in their head, like check marking that beer. Um, you know, if it's a, a Belgian dark strong ale, okay, does it have, you know, fruity esters? Yes, it has some banana and it has a little bit of raisin, well, you know, check. Um, does it have, you know, kind of, uh, you know, fruity, like resinous, like notes from the, you know, malts? Yes. 
Does it have um, you know a little bit of warmth from the alcohol? Yes. Oh, but I'm also picking up a little bit of apple flavor. That shouldn't be here. Kind of note that as well. But all those things are really listed as a rubric in the BJCP. So when you go to make a recipe and you look at that guideline and it says like you should have like a raisin flavor from a dark malt, pick your favorite dark malt, make sure you get a little bit of that flavor in there. And really when you're making your recipe, use that like a check mark to kind of look at what you should be putting in there. Um, the other thing that the BJCP guidelines do that really I think is the, the, the probably the best part for especially people just entering um, is they list the classic examples of that style. So the first thing that you can do when you're looking to enter a competition is get a copy of the BJCP guidelines. Um, it'll have like serving suggestions, all sorts of wonderful information about how your beer is going to get treated, you know, what the judges are going to be looking for, but then also that list of the classic examples. Take that list, go down to your local beer store, and try to grab as many of them as you can find. Now go home and start drinking them. Some fun competition prep here. Mm -hmm. And kind of take some notes and kind of try to find as many recipes for those beers as you can so that you can kind of look at what you're drinking. So if you're, you know, if you're, so you can see it in a recipe. Yeah, you're going for a style. Make friends with that style. Move yeah. in with that style. Yes, it, become a, at least a short-term expert on whatever style that is that you're trying to enter so that you get a kind of idea of what kind of sets that style apart from other ones. Um, and that will give you a little bit of wiggle room when you get down to making the recipe. But that BJCP guidelines, not only is it going to have, you know, what it's looking for as far as uh, kind of, you know, non-tangibles and, you know, uh, qualitative remarks. It's also going to have those quantitative, you know, values too. It's going to tell you what the IBU range should be, what the color should be, what the alcohol should be like. And you want to make sure that your beer fits into those examples. Um, and you probably want to use a recipe builder to make sure you can get there. So like Brewer's Friend, ProMash Software, uh, Brewsmith, we've talked about these, you know, kind of apps or programs before, or spreadsheets. Um, they will kind of tell you an estimate of what those quantitative values that won't be able to tell you the qualitative, they won't be able to tell you those intangibles, but they will be able to tell you the quantitative numbers or an estimate that you'll get from your recipe. So before you even brew that first recipe, you can kind of look and see if it's going to fit or if everything goes well, I think is a better way to say it, if it's going to fit inside those kind of narrow parameters for that style. And so by looking at those guidelines, taking the beer, putting it into you know, some type of, you know, brewing recipe calculator, you'll be able to know if you're even in the ballpark, you know what I mean, mm -hmm. for as far as getting those, again, those quantitative values. And then it will be up to you as a brewer to make sure that you hit all those marks to get those same values. Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, those are, those are also a great tool for you. Um, the next great tool is, to brag here, a good homebrew shop. Um, that where you can go and you can handle the ingredients. Um, you can get a variety of ingredients because if you're trying to brew an English bitter and you want it to do well at competition, chances are it's going to be a little bit easier if you use UK pale malts. If you're making right. Bavarian pills and you use Weirman Pilsner, it's going to be a little bit easier because you're going to start to get a lot of those kind of styles or those, a lot of those flavors indicative to the style are coming from that region's ingredients. Yeah, you're so, going to stay true to the building blocks of the style itself. Yeah, yeah. And, and this will make life 
easier. It can be a bit of a limiter, especially what's available near you. So if you want to make a Bavarian Pilsner, you go into your homebrew shop and they don't have any German malts or they, you know, they don't have any, uh, they only have one like German Pilsner available. These can be limiters and, and, you know, use what's, I always encourage you to use what's available for you first. So I would, I would always go take a look in your basement, even if you're brewing for competition and say, okay, what ingredients do I have that will work? Um, what am I going to be able to get from my local homebrew shop? Is there anything particular that I'm going to need that I might have to get online or make a, you know, the trip all the way to Niagara tradition to grab so that I can get those, you know, certain flavors. Um, when I say this is a lim- limiter, it can also be kind of, I think, um, one of the, uh, kind of, uh, I think, a you can put yourself aside. This is one place where we, when you look at, like, we'll say, I'm going to use the example of American Porter, uh, which is a, a category that I've meddled in before. Um, I made a lot of porters. I would usually use, for an American Porter, Dur American malt. So I'd be using a lot of Brees, a lot of Great Western. Um, and I think, you know, what tends to happen is my beers tend to taste exactly like everybody else's. So when, when they go down those check marks, yeah, you're hitting all those check marks. And then when the judge goes over to write down any intangibles, things that just are not necessarily on the list, but are really kind of coming out to them, things that are setting your beer aside, um, making little substitutions and things like malt will make a difference. So with my porter, I often use a lot of German dark grains. The, the same grains you would see in Schwarzenbeer. I also include black malt as well to kind of make sure it has that coffee porter-like, you know, uh, bite. But at the same time, when I start picking in some of my favorites and I start throwing them in there, so like the German Cara Aroma Malt and a little bit of Carafa uh, to get a little bit of uh, kind of nuttiness and, and toffee flavor, um, whereas the like kind of American like 120 crystals tend to have a little bit of burnt flavor to them that I don't necessarily want in the beer. Um, so while you're, I'm hitting all those classic marks, I am switching up the ingredients just a little bit to try, try to create some of those intangibles. Um, because when you're staring at like say six porters all at once you know that one that has like a little bit of subtle difference is going to be the one that the judge keeps going back to Um, and so while you do want to try to use as many classic ingredients from the region as you can throwing in those little ingredients that maybe are making substitutions I think it's a better way for you know match for match a dark crystal for a dark crystal a carapils for carapils you know roast for a roast a pale malt for a pale pilsner for a pilsner um, when you make those little substitutions, often those can be the thing that kind of, again, sets your beer aside just a little bit. And so while I say, yeah, try to use as many classes of ingredients as you can, I'm giving you some good advice to get to, say, a score of 30. I'm kind of, if I tell you only that, I'm holding you back from getting a score of 40. Um, so kind of use that at your discretion mm-hmm. throw a little bit of your favorites in there and you know should really like the results okay and then kind of last of all don't get frustrated when you don't win um, you've said for a long time you should enter even if you are a person that thinks like i would never win just because of the feedback that yeah. you, you can ultimately get and, and and here's the other thing too if and, and often those same people who just keep entering the same beer saying oh i'm never going to win 
surprisingly the people that often win. So the same people who are focused more on improving their recipe than they are on trying to win a competition are the same people who end up winning those big categories that win IPA at AWOG, that, you know, um, you know, win a light beer category or, you know, uh, a real, like, strong category out in Unaha, the big, comp- the big entries where everybody's putting a lot of entries. The people who win those styles, so where they're, they're facing off against 60 beers in a flight, are the people who have not focused on the competition but on routinely getting a beer that's, say, 38 to 45 points. Um, and they don't know if they're going to win the competition, but they're just trying to keep that consistency, maybe squeak out another point or two here or there every time they enter. Um, and that's where kind of that recipe improvement uh, is where it's going to come from. So keep good notes. Try to match your score sheets back to those recipes uh, later on so that when you go to brew that beer again, you'll actually know where you have to make improvements this time around. Um, and that can be really key because mm-hmm. often you, you kind of go back, you have your favorite Kolsch recipe. It didn't win you anything last year. Where the devil did I put that score sheet, you know, trying to remember what you read, you know, one night and then kind of put those score sheets aside, you have no chance. The typical score sheet, like wh- how much information can a first-time entrant get from their, For a first-time entry, yeah. it, it's going to be overwhelming. You're going to get three pages broken down in, like, you know, small blurbs so that you're really trying to condense the information um, about every aspect of your beer from usually two to three different judges. So they're going to comment on aroma, appearance, um, you know, taste, mouthfeel, and then kind of their overall impression. Um, as well as these people, again, the, the training course, I know I'm going through it is, you know, rigorous for becoming a beer judge. And, and there's a lot of unfun parts of studying and, you know, drinking beers early in the morning, trying to, you know, pick out certain flavors, you know, not every morning, obviously, but it, it is a tough, you know, kind of thing to get to be a certified beer judge. And so um, these people who are judging are going to have a lot of experience and, and most of them, if not all of them have brewed before. So they're going to be able to turn around and say, okay, here's what I tasted here's what I know to do to kind of fix, you know, your problems that you're having here. And that can be really, really helpful as a yeah. home brewer. All right. So that's about it. That's, that's about it, but every- it's never all than that. If, right. if you think you're going to sit down, you're going to drink a six-pack of porter, you're going to write one recipe, and you're going to get like a 35 score, you're sadly mistaken. Oh. Expect to run a recipe two to three times through competition in order to get these kind of higher scores that you might be thinking about winning. I'm not going to say lightning doesn't strike and that I haven't seen plenty of brewers enter a first you know, beer or first time brewing a style into their first competition and actually – win a medal. There is a lot of chance to this. And, and that's why I say that the people who tend to win those big categories are the people who are always throwing a really good beer in. Because not only does it have to kind of be that really good beer, hit all those numbers, check all those boxes, it also has to have those intangibles. And those are the kind of things that will come up with a certain judge, a certain day, you know, you got a certain batch of your favorite hop that for that IPA that really came through well, you know, those kinds of things, those kinds of things that are often as homebrewers just outside our control, when all those stars align, um, that's going to be when you win a medal. All right. So for anything you want to know about competitions, well, good news, this was it. But it's competition season, so yeah. I'm sure we'll touch on a lot of this stuff uh, as we go forward. And you'll hear us talking about the amber waves of grain for the next two to three months every, Indeed. every Saturday. That's it for us. We'll talk to you next week. Remember, deadlines 
next Saturday for the Taste of Buffalo homebrew comp- competition. And Amber Waves of Grain AWOG is a deadline March 31st. So we've got lots of time on that one. And we encourage all of you to go to the Art of Beer, which is the original beer tasting event, March 9th, 2018, the 12th annual, to benefit the Niagara Arts, Arts and, and Community Cult- Center. Arts and Community Center. I'm Cultural sorry. Center. Yes, that's what I was going to say. A lot of C's. Ah, a lot of C's. A lot of culture. All right. Yep. For Jer- for Bertheister, I'm Jeremy White. That's it for Niagara Traditions. Just brew it here on ESPN 1520. You've been listening to Just Brew It, brought to you by Niagara Tradition Home Brew. Whether you're a seasoned brewer or just want to get started, visit them at 1296 Sheridan Drive in Tonawanda or online at nthomebrew.com. And be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Just Brew It.